Dr. Brown, as I said, has been working for over 40 years as an ophthalmologist. He's performed over 9,000 cataract operations, thousands of thalamic laser operations, and as I mentioned before, has been doing a lot of work specific to research in MTHFR supplementation, a thing called medical foods, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. And one of the things that I find the most interesting, Dr. Brown, is your time in Ghana as a medical missionary. You want to give us a few seconds about that? Well, fresh out of medical school, I went over and spent just under a year working in a hospital up in northern Ghana. And I saw infectious disease, public health issues, things that I had only read about. And I learned a lot about the culture about culture, about the culture of medicine, about things that we take for granted like grocery stores and clean food. And I would see people die because they didn't have $2 worth of antibiotics. Everybody had malaria. It was just a completely different experience. And one day I was I had a guy with a big tumor on his foot and I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, but I got out an anatomy book and I took off his foot because the tumor had to go. And it taught me to be resourceful and to not always be waiting for some authority to tell me how to do it perfectly. Because sometimes better is the enemy of good. There's an old adage in medical training, see one, do one, teach one. And it talks to that point about sometimes you can study too much and the patient can suffer while you're studying. And you learn a lot about that. I learned a lot about that at Charity Hospital in New Orleans, where I interned. So let's talk about some eyes for just a minute. First of all, what is diabetic retinopathy and why does it matter? Well, diabetic retinopathy is vascular disease caused by diabetes. It's damaged to the blood vessels of the eye. The eye needs more food and oxygen than any other organ of the body. That's why when you faint or, or your heart stops, your vision goes first and then your brain goes down next. There's about 13 million diabetic retinopathy patients in the U.S. and as you said, half are undiagnosed. Eventually, diabetic retinopathy leads to blindness. Sooner if you have genetic defects like MTHFR or malnutrition, most people over 50 have several risk factors. With average diabetes treatment, blindness starts about 11 years after diagnosis. Poor lifestyles, nutrition, bad genetics make you more likely to get the complications of diabetes, which are retinopathy, heart disease, peripheral neuropathy, and kidney disease. There's two current treatments for diabetic retinopathy. We can either burn two-thirds of the laser out with the laser, and you lose your side vision and night vision, or we can stick a needle in the eye and inject expensive medications about every six to 12 weeks. So it seems to me that targeting lifestyle diets using products like Ocufolin are a good way for diabetics to get a lot more years before they need the needle and the laser, maybe avoid it altogether. Great summary. You know, when we were talking, I forgot to ask you earlier this morning, I sent you my little video on my Druze. I'm guessing you didn't get a chance to see that yet, did you? I saw it. So as we discussed, I'm a heterozygous MTHFR, poor methylator, 63 years old, have had prediabetes that I've known of for about pushing a decade now. I did have one episode with a recorded blood sugar over 200, so you could say I meet the criteria for full-blown diabetes. So tell me, I'm assuming that having only one Druze at the, this point in life is pretty good. Am I wrong or? 
I'd rather not see any. What comes to mind is if you don't have a family history of macular degeneration, then I wouldn't worry about it. But if you have people in your family that went blind from macular degeneration, then then it's kind of a warning sign and you, you ought to do the things with the supplements that, and the lifestyle that we know that reduces macular degeneration. That's a whole nother talk. And I've got lots of ammunition in that cannon too. I myself am notorious for going down bunny holes. So before we go down that bunny hole, let's go back up to the basics and talk about the types of diabetic retinopathy. There's two main types of diabetic retinopathy. There's proliferative and non-proliferative. The initial stage is non-proliferative where you just have damage to the vascular endothelium and you get perfusion damage, leakage. Beginning at the stage of early prediabetes, you begin to see loss of vascular density in the retina. You begin to see decrease in blood flow. It gets worse with diabetes and it's and it's just it's a complete up till now it's been considered to be an irreversible downhill trend. What was exciting about Ocufolin was we began to reverse that trend of blood flow and vascular density loss and diabetes and began to move back towards normal. But there's the non-proliferative style stage. When you get enough of the blood vessels damaged, then you get capillary dropout, you get ischemia, you get nerve fiber layer infarcts, and then you start secreting vascular endothelial growth hormone, which is the body's way of getting more blood vessels. So new blood vessels grow, new blood vessels proliferative. and the problem is in the eye, they tend to rupture and bleed, and then the blood forms a scaffold that causes scar tissue, which normally is a good thing, but in the eye causes detached retina. So you're talking a lot about small blood vessels, and it's an interesting point. The majority of this channel is all about preventing heart attack. Now, my typical patient will say to me, after about six months to 18 months of working with me, my typical patient will say, you know, doc, I've rethought this stuff and you may think I'm crazy, but I'm actually a lot less worried about heart attack than I am dementia. And I know that a lot of the stuff that we're doing here helps prevent dementia as well. Well, of course it does. I mean, what we're talking about here is protecting those small vessels, those small arteries. Any comments about that? Yes. Well, they say the eye is the window of the soul, and it's certainly the window of the brain because the blood vessels of the retina and the retina itself embryologically come from the brain. And so when you're looking at the retina and you're looking at the blood vessels of the retina, you're looking at exactly the same blood vessels and tissue type that's whatever's going on in the retina is going on in the brain. It's interesting that Dr. Wang, who is the principal investigator in our studies, with Ocufolin, who just received a 1.4 million grant from NIH to correlate retinal blood flow with brain blood flow as part of a dementia push from NIH. So there must be a significant overlap between diabetic retinopathy and dementia. Oh yeah, yeah. Diabetes, I think you could say, causes vascular dementia. And about half of the people that we say have Alzheimer's really have vascular dementia. And you put them on the program, the lifestyle program, and you put them on Ocufolin, and you will see their cognitive function improve, their MRIs improve. It's pretty amazing. A lot of the world-class scientists, you know, the guys that are publishing on this kind of stuff in Nature Magazine are calling 
dementia type 3 diabetes. I did some work with Dale Bredesen in attending some of his training programs for management of dementia. And he came up and asked me after the program. I hesitated for a bit and he could tell. And I said, well, here's the thing. I said, it was a great two days, but it was really focused a lot on management of advanced dementia and even more so out of the two days there was only two half hour sessions on prediabetes and he looked at me kind of funny and cocked his head and he said yeah i made some assumption that he was not as deep on that connection as i was i said well you know i thought at least half of dementia was prediabetes caused by prediabetes he looked at me for a second he said no i think that's low i think it's all of it and in fact there's a lot of people that don't have known prediabetes, but they have what we call central nervous system diabetes. And he mentioned the fact that many of us know that insulin in and of itself is a critical part of forming short-term and long-term memory. And he didn't go into the Wake Forest studies in terms of inhaled insulin and things in that space. But my perspective, and I didn't go into this with him, was, yep. And I think a lot of those people have had pre-diabetes for decades, they just did not know how to diagnose it. So, yep, we continue to connect dots. We go down what seems to be a bunny hole and then come out the other end. And again, the damage being done by unrecognized pre-diabetes and diabetes is just devastating. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at prevmedhealth.com. To learn more, watch our videos on YouTube at Ford Brewer MD MPH. Thank you very much for your interest.